The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 359. Thankfully for Philadelphia uh, fans, generally speaking, the Eagles beat the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football, which maybe softens the blow a little bit, but not really uh, on the Phillies. Can we call that an epic collapse? Would you go that far? You can't be up, by the way. Uh, that's Jimmy Kemsky. I'm Brandon Lee Young. Uh, yeah. You can't be up 2-0 in a series like that and be like beating the tar out of other teams and be the prohibitive favorite and have this massive home field advantage and lose that series. You can't lose that series. It, you can't. Like, I, I, Two games not, at home in a row. It's, it's not just like unacceptable. You ran into a juggernaut. Like last year, sorry, to, and sorry to, sorry to just bum people out with this, but we have to get through it. Um, <laughs> last year, the Phillies lost to this juggernaut Astros team that also has a track record of cheating, whatever. Um that's that's understandable. It's tough. But it's understandable. This year, they were like just destroying teams and really good teams. The like, and then this Diamondbacks team. I'm not trying to be disrespectful for them because like good for them and their fans, which I'm not really sure how they actually have any. Like I don't know any of any, and I don't think there really exists. But whatever. Uh, that team's not like interesting or even that great. No. Certainly not as good as the Phillies. So I'm not saying they got like lucky. Like good, they they battled. They had good approaches and whatever. Uh, whereas the Phillies totally totally just crapped the bed, and it's pathetic. And it's 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 really puts it in the context for me that like this is an all time embarrassing moment for a team that has lost more games than any sports team ever. So it's really saying something. It's funny how like the. Um... A common question that comes up is like, which is the next Philadelphia team uh, to win a title? And that has sort of toggled between the Phillies, Eagles, and Sixers over the last, <laughs> I don't know, five, six, seven years or whatever. Uh, I guess uh, ever since the Eagles finally won a Super Bowl, that question gets asked a lot. And certainly the Phillies were the answer a week or two ago. Not anymore. Now it shifts to the Eagles, which is the team that we cover. Uh, so there's still that. <laughs> like it's there's still good sports mm-hmm. to be played uh, in Philadelphia. Maybe not necessarily the Sixers, uh, likely this year uh, upcoming. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Eagles are six and one, and coming off really impressive win on 
Sunday night against the Miami Dolphins. Their best game of the year by far, uh, in my opinion. But before we get to all that, Brandon, where can I find the finest meat snacks in the land? I highly suspect that the Phillies stopped eating right to smell in crab jerky, and it's probably the biggest reason why they blew the series so embarrassingly. I can't believe Bryce Harper wore a Sixers jersey to Game 7. I was saying, Jimmy, while you had your headphones off, I can't believe Bryce Harper wore a Sixers jersey. That's insane to me. Oh, terrible. Like, yes. I, I, anyway. <laughs> and, Pat, and Pat Bev. Pat what? Pat Bev? I, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it was <clears throat> Julius. Like, I don't care if it was the be- their best player ever. Like, I don't care. Like, nothing. Do not do not be associated with that team. Anyway, right to selling <clears throat> craft jerky. I'm kind of losing my voice here. Right to selling.com. Go to the, that site. Check out their great selection of available treats shout out to our good friend shield kapadia he always talks about emotional eating sometimes you need to you know have an extra snack or two to kind of get through the pain <laughs> <clears throat> and it might not be a bad idea to do that with right to sell and craft jerky so go to right to sellin.com and use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order and the good news <clears throat> is we have brandon's crying right now that brandon's literally crying right now that's why he sounds this way Yeah, i don't know why i sound this way but <laughs> <laughs> uh, good news is we do have interesting Eagles things to talk about and a trade, some juice, exciting, yeah. excitement, positivity, a surprise trade. In my opinion, I had like, I had published these three different articles over, over the last four weeks. I'd say like, you know, just three guys who make sense for the Eagles at the trade deadline. And, uh, it was heavily, uh, populated by safeties, of course. Uh, safety slot corners and occasional corner in there. I think early on I might add a linebacker in there. Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I did not see them trading for Kevin Byer, mm. and not because he's not a good player, but because of his contract situation. Because you know, before the season began, the Titans tried to get him to take a pay cut, and he was like, "Screw you! I am a good player, and I'm not taking a pay cut." Mm. So what they did instead was they restructured his contract. He had an 11 million dollar salary in 2013. The Titans uh, converted $7 million of that into a signing bonus and kicked that money uh, down the road into future years. So he now only has a $4 million salary. I didn't think they were trading him based on that. Um, normally when you convert a player's uh, salary into a signing bonus, you're not going to trade him. But I guess the Titans realized at this point, well, we stink. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may as well get something that we, we may as well get something for our player. Uh, as we kind of uh, are, we realize we're we're going to be going into a rebuild here, and I guess that that was the reasoning. But I did not see them trading him because they're taking an eight point eight million dollar cap hit, dead money. The whole comfort debt eight point eight million in dead mm-hmm. money in twenty twenty three, and then I, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think it's like thirteen point something in dead money mm-hmm. in twenty twenty four. So they they took twenty one million in dead money. To trade him and not for a very good return, which kind of makes me kind of go, hmm. hmm. Like they all I got was a five uh, and a six mm-hmm. in 2024 and Terrell Edmonds, who has not played well for the Eagles so far this year. So the return isn't very good for them, uh, especially considering they're taking such a big cap hit to trade him away. Byard's a good player, like he's he's 30 years old, so he's, you know, probably a little bit on the downside of his career. He has been known as a ball hawk over the course of his career. He's had four different seasons, I believe, with at least 
uh, four interceptions, I believe. He led the league one year in interceptions. He was an all-pro as recently as 2021. So, you know, he's still uh, certainly going to be an upgrade over Mm. uh, Justin Evans, Terrell Edmonds, whoever, you know, you want to fill in uh, the blank on that one. And now the Eagles have uh, a good safety tandem. By the way, both of them. From Middle Tennessee State, which which is kind of funny, uh, in Reed Blankenship and and now Kevin Byard. So it's a good trade, in my opinion. Certainly from the Eagles' perspective, like they only give up a five, they only give up a six, they only give up Terrell Edmonds, and you only got to pay him four million in salary this year. It's a big win for the Eagles, in my opinion. I was just really surprised that the Titans traded him. Yeah, I remember Byard was a name that Eagles fans were kind of interested in in the off season that was kind of coming up from time to time mostly prior to that contract restructure that you talked about there or the reworking of the deal. Um, As recently as, I don't know, a week ago or so, I I published one of my link roundups one morning with the lead story of pro football focus, suggesting a Kevin Byer trade between the Eagles and the Titans and their valuation for him was like a third round pick. Like that's what they thought he, he might cost to get him. And based on the quality of the player, like I don't think that that seems like not insane to me. And the Eagles got him for way less than that, which to your point, you always have to wonder why. Okay, it's a different GM, but it's also the same organization that traded AJ Brown to the Eagles. So sometimes they clearly it's crazy that they keep trading with the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I, I asked the the Music City Miracle, which is like the Titans SB Nation version, you know, the, their blog of their their BGN, and um, I was like. You guys kind of like, like getting tired of the Titans trading on Howie Roseman, and he was like, he kind of just played it off as like, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, because you know it's it's tough. <laughs> I wasn't trying to pour salt in the wound as much as I was just like, this is this has to be frustrating for you, um, yeah. trying to give him a chance to vocalize that. But yeah, Byard is a playmaker. I mean, he has you, you mentioned it was 27 career interceptions. Hasn't missed a game ever, by the way, also. So that's that's pretty like relevant for That's big for this Eagles yeah. team that has so many issues in the yeah, secondary can't with stay healthy right and now. safety. And also dating back to college, he had nineteen in four years at Middle Tennessee State. Like he has a track mm-hmm. <clears throat> a proven track record of making plays on the ball. Like this isn't just like fluky or good luck. Like this is a skill at this point for him. And for an Eagles defense that hasn't exactly been great at forcing turnovers this year, uh, certainly you like that element. Certainly you like the element of adding a player who hasn't missed a game, like I just said, durable. You like the element of uh, someone who seems to have a reputation of being smart. I think that kind of helps make the adjustment uh, faster because you're bringing him in, obviously, on short notice. He doesn't get the offseason to practice. That might not matter a ton. We saw Chauncey Gardner-Johnson lead the NFL in interceptions on very short notice joining the Eagles. Right. And also, going from slot cornerback to safety, he was moving positions as well, whereas Byard is established as a safety. You know, I think when, whenever uh, Reed Blankenship is able to get back, the Eagles didn't put him on IRR, so you think he would be back in the next game or two or so. Uh, that's that's suddenly where safety was looking like a position of weakness because you're starting as recently as the last game, Terrell Edmonds, who hasn't played well, and Sidney Brown, who's a rookie. Uh, <clears throat> and your top backups were Josiah Scott and Makai Gardner, who are like cornerbacks moonlighting as safeties. Uh, that's a huge deal to be able to get that. And I think all of a sudden from going from a weakness to like a position of strength, that's, I think I love, you know, I'm we're both very high in Reed Blankenship. Like that suddenly, mm-hmm. I think, has the potential to be one of the best safety tandems in the NFL. 
And right. you also talk about Bayard as a leader. There seems to be a lot of talk about that. That's not, not, like, not a nice bonus to have there as well. He uh, he's from Philly. Uh, he didn't grow up there the whole time, but he you know he's Philly roots. That's another fun bonus in addition to the Eagles having like you know Hassan Reddick and DeAndre Swift, and to a lesser extent Lamade Zacchaeus. Like, these guys from Philly. Uh, that's always fun. So like almost in every way, it's a uh, it's a no brainer. And and from the standpoint that the Eagles have what now eight picks still in the 2024 nfl draft assuming mm-hmm. all the comp picks you know come through which we believe they will like there was no reason not to make this move and i think this isn't like i'm not worried about why the titans gave him up for that low price because it's such a low price that it's a no-brainer i said previously four seasons of at least four picks is actually five mm-hmm. so he had eight in 2020 eight in 2017 uh four in 2018 five in 2019 he only had one in 2020 then he had five in 2021 and he had four in 2022 so he's not only had a lot of seasons with uh, a lot of picks he's consistently he's only had one since his rookie year when he wasn't a full-time starter yet he had none that year he's had four interceptions every season except one in 2020 when he only had one now this season he's got none through six games and actually he hasn't even gotten his hands on any passes he doesn't have well, any pass breakups it probably either. doesn't help the, the titans as a whole or not a you know good <laughs> yeah. team yeah yeah but but he's gotten his hands on a lot of passes over his career so by year he's gotten four again rookie year when he didn't play when he wasn't a full-time starter yet 16 extremely high for a safety eight nine seven thirteen and six so he gets his hands on a lot of passes in addition to picking them off. So, uh, yeah, he's he's clearly a, a a safety with you know very with elite uh, ball skills. Also, like I was looking at his missed tackle rate, very low each season. You look at his that number on Pro Football Reference. Like he missed, he's missed two this year. He missed four last year. Two the year before that. Eight before that. Two uh, before that, and then seven was and is rookie like those are very low if you look at the percentages they're very low rates so tackles well as well um like mm-hmm. has a track record of being able to use four career sacks 19 career quarterback hits like it's not just the interceptions he kind of makes plays all over uh and also looking at uh okay lower on the forced tumble end only has three of those so maybe not like the biggest hitter jarring the ball loose guy but that's it's fine i mean he makes plays on the ball with the passes defense and the, the interceptions and everything else and tackles well so um yeah i i think this is a great move rj ochoa you know notorious cowboys fan and, and hater of the eagles was like trying to be like well you know everyone thought Robert Quinn was a good move for the Eagles last year. And that's not true. No, no, I, no, that's not true. Yeah, no, you and I did not like that move. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. there was reason to believe he's cooked. I don't think you can say the same thing with Bayard. I don't think that's just because he's not done anything this year uh, production wise. I don't, that's not the same thing at all to me. And also he costs less than Robert Quinn. So that's even better if he did like, and also it's just a different situation. The Eagles were trying to add another pass rusher to the rotation um, whereas like here they're so like, they, which is kind of a luxury for them. This was not a luxury. This was a necessity. And they got uh, a, a good, at least like a, a, a qua- at the very least, I find it hard to believe even a worst case scenario that Kevin Byard is not better than what Sidney Brown is as a rookie and what Terrell Edmonds was giving this team. So, Oh, sure. Like, it's, yeah. He's an upgrade low bar, but yeah. he's 100% an upgrade. So yeah. like, I, I at least think that's, and that's fine. And to get that is fine. 
I'm glad the Eagles got him instead of someone like Jeremy Chin, by the way. I was not ready to talk myself into Jeremy. I know like people like Jeremy Chin a lot. If you look at his production or lack thereof, like I, I, I was looking at his first force fumble interception numbers over the past couple of years, like it's pretty low. He started hot as a rookie, but then it's kind of like fizzled a little bit. Anyway, don't need, not trying to make it a Jeremy Chin hate, but like this is a big deal to get Kevin Byard like this for such a low cost. I think is a no brainer kind of move. Uh, I think sometimes people get over or they get carried away with how he sees and stuff. Like they apply that sometimes to things that don't fully deserve that. No, yeah, this yeah, fully yeah. does deserve this. This was a great move. Yeah. Yeah. On the, uh, on the Robert Quinn point, like I think you and I had both identified him as a clear uh, trade deadline target, but also a guy that, you know, wasn't going to solve a lot of their problems. Like after, after I watched, you know, sort of him play, I did not like what I saw from him in, you know, in the first half of that 2022 season. But I think you and I also like sort of have, and, and the Eagles fan base sort of in general has been pretty on in terms of evaluating these trade deadline deals. Like, I don't think a lot of people, you and I certainly didn't like the Golden Tate trade for a third round pick. Uh, we didn't think Jonard Avery was really going to bring much to the table when they, when they, when that. they traded for him. And then, uh, the one that we did really like, of course, was Jay Ajayi, mm-hmm. who wound up uh, being a big contributor for the Eagles down the stretch. I think this is a good deal. Um, ideally, the Eagles could have traded for maybe a younger safety mm. that uh, you could feel good about for the future as well. And this is maybe more of like a Band-Aid kind of trade, which is fine. Um, maybe. But well, I mean, we'll see because yeah. So next year, he's on like he his salary is nine point something million i'll have it in front of me again and then they also would have to pay him uh uh he's got a roster bonus due which i think is pretty sizable it's Mm -hmm. like three or four million or something like that so he's going to be an expensive safety and if he plays really well right down the back half of the season here then you know maybe you pay him that and if he doesn't then it's pretty easy to just cut him uh next off season so um yeah, they have some optionality uh, mm-hmm. next year, but you know, ideally, I think uh, like a young, like a Kyle Duggar or like sure. uh, Jabril Peppers, you know, they'd be like the really exciting move. But of course, they would cost a exactly. lot more. Like you're probably giving up a day two pick for for guys like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think the for for the price that uh, Howie was able to get for for Kevin Byer, this this is uh, like a B plus A minus kind of trade for me. Oh wow, B plus. I would yeah, I would say at least an A. I would say at least an A minus. Um just because again the, the, the I think the upside here is this worth the swing for mm-hmm. such little of a cost they also again still have the picks and like high picks it's so they have what a first second second from the Saints a third a fourth two fifths and or is it three fifths well the third they, they don't have they don't have a third they have a, a projected uh third round comp right pick that's what coming I'm, in I'm for the loss of Javon Hargrave I'm, yeah uh, I'm slotting that in there I'm counting that but point yeah. being, they have so they have a lot of fives. We're going to be very busy well, during the not. fifth round. Well, I mean, they're going to move around yeah. more for sure. They've made ten trades involving their twenty twenty four picks, which is crazy. And we're not even like we're not we're you know almost a year away from the twenty twenty four draft. They've already made half, ten trades involving that draft. Not even halfway through the twenty twenty three season. So uh, put up a poll on bleedingyourenation.com dot com to have people grade the Kevin Byard trade for the Eagles. And uh, 7,878 voters, 86% A, 13% B, and then 1% C, 0% D, F. So popular move, obviously. 
Uh, people wanted a safety. They needed to do something at safety. They were so thin at safety. Um, I mean, they were, again, they are using Makai Garner, who didn't even practice at safety in training camp during the Jets game at one point. Like, the, he was playing. That's uh, called up from the practice squad. Like, that's, that's how dire it was. Uh, anything else on Kevin Byard? No, I think we pretty much covered everything there. Um, just to recap the, the 2024 picks, they have a one, a couple twos, a, th- a projected three, a five, mm-hmm. and then three projected fives, uh, three projected fifth round compensatory picks. It used to, it was a four mm-hmm. temporarily. So Andre Dillard, mm-hmm. if he had played mm-hmm. a certain percentage of snaps this year, he would have, he would have gotten the Eagles a fourth round compensatory pick, but he has since been benched. I mean that that signing for them yeah. was insane. This is, again, this is like this is more Titans news because he, he this Titans signed him. This the deal they signed him to was insanity. Yep. It was making like <clears throat> something like ten million a year, close to that. And he's now benched in favor of a guy who's not playing well, uh, Nicholas Petit Frere. And he's now going to be their Dillard's now going to be their swing tackle. Well, they're in okay. for a rude awakening. If their right tackle gets hurt and he has to play there. They are in for a rude awakening on what that looks like. That's so crazy. I mean, there was people. Some people really bought into this idea that oh, J- J- Niner Dealer's not bad. It's just that Jordan Mailata is good and outplayed him. No, no, we don't need to relitigate <laughs> yeah. the whole thing. But that's not the case. Uh, should mention. I think you mentioned it already. You know, Terrell Edmonds is gone. Um, wasn't good. It's kind of funny that the Eagles were able to include them in here, and it works out. Uh, it's funny that the Titans wanted it. Well, I, I think it's from a standpoint of like, you know, they're taking the L in the season. They're rebuilding. Yeah, and I don't, they need somebody at least playable. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know their their safety situation, but they might just need a guy who will like help them fill reps or help contribute on special teams or whatever. So I kind of I get it from that standpoint of like, yeah, I mean, if they're going to cut him anyway, we'll take him. Um, so why not? But uh, yeah. Uh, anything else do you think from the trade deadline, like any other musings, do you think they could still make a move? So it's, it's on Halloween, by the way. So it's a week from, uh, or uh, less than a week than we're recording this on Wednesday, October 25th at 8.54 AM. Do you think they have any other moves in store? Yeah. I mean, receiver was a passive, like a remote possibility, but I don't think they're going to do that now that they sign Julio Jones Mm -hmm. and then slot corner. I feel like. They really could have benefited by seeing Bradley Roby a little more in you know these games leading up to the trade deadline. Of course, he didn't play uh, against uh, the Dolphins on Sunday night. Probably isn't going to play on Sunday um, against uh, who do they play? Commanders. <laughs> uh, probably isn't going to play that. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Um, Eli Ricks had some really good moments in the Eagles win over the yep. Dolphins. We'll get to that um, when we sort of recap that game. Josiah Scott played a little bit there. He wasn't terrible. So I feel like they're not going to sign or trade for a slot corner because they have three guys playing there and they've done some things with Sidney Brown playing in the slot and they've moved James Bradbury inside. So I think it's going to be patchwork for the rest of the season. I agree. And, and, you know, if Bradley Roby can, 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 you know, get back on the field and play well, then, you know, all the, they'll, they'll be all the more set there, but, uh, and they have a lot of bodies that I guess that have played in the slot for them this year. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sold on any of them as like yet as like any real option. Sure. But at least they have a lot of different options, and maybe one guy emerges from from that pack as uh, a reasonable answer going forward. 
but no, I, I don't see them making any more moves. Well, you? I mean, getting Bayard, you know, gives you that freedom again now to put Sidney Brown down there a little bit more and experiment yeah. with that than you had previously. So that's an, another little bonus to that trade, or maybe you even want to put him there. Sometimes I don't know yeah. if they like that, Matt. If they like him, because I think he has. That's another thing about him. You look at his snap count, and he he has versatility. It's not as simple as like he's always just you know lining up deep uh, as the as the you know free safety every time so that's something they can look into as well and Roby wasn't placed on IR so they do seem to expect him back uh you know maybe he misses two or three games but mm-hmm. he could be back um for that fourth game or whatever so uh I, but the trade deadline is after this next game right. so they only really have one more game to evaluate their roster yes. before that's it and then once the trade deadline the trade line what did we say it was Halloween 4 p.m on Halloween yeah, Tuesday. So right before you go trick or treating is uh, yeah, is, is when me uh, we'll specifically or like the royal you are you talking about the royal okay. you the royal you are you do you trick or treat? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm th- why not? I'm 32, Jimmy. I can't just do. <laughs> it's not, I trick or treat. Yeah, my daughter. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean you have yeah, a daughter. daughter. I don't have a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a, a child that I'm going. You think I go solo? No. Um, I love trick or treating as a kid. Anyway, uh. Uh, I I don't know. I don't think so. The one thing I I do think about, um, man, like knock on wood, I just feel like if they, you know, DeAndre Swift got something happened to him where he's not available. Like running back outlook is kind of dicey beyond that because Kenneth Kenneth Gainwell, Kenny Gainwell has not been good. He's actually, we'll get to him later, hasn't been good. Boston Scott, they don't seem to trust. And Rashad Penny's on the team, but they also, I mean, he's a healthy scratch. Maybe they're trying to trade him, clearly, by the way, that they <sighs> his name has been floated around. There. We don't want to trade him. We're keeping yeah. him. <laughs> trust us. We definitely don't want to trade him. So I don't know. Maybe you, you can, you know, bring in a low cost running back. I don't know. Um, hey, bring in Derrick Henry. Why not? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that is a little weak for. Could be. And also, I feel like you could probably get some someone for, you know, that wouldn't be too expensive there. They don't really have any picks. They only have one pick that they can still trade. So uh, they had like two of the two of the fives that they had. One of them was from the Bucks, and one of them was from mm-hmm. the Vikings in the Jalen Rager trade. Uh, so the, the, the pick that they traded to the Titans, I think is I think Albert Breer reported mm-hmm. is the better which, whichever of those two picks winds up being better. So they, they don't have a, they don't have a six. They don't have a seven. They don't have a four. They don't have a three. I mean, they have the, they have projected compensatory picks, but they can't trade right. projected compensatory picks. That's not true. They so can, they, the, but their only tradable picks in 2024 are a one. They're both of their twos and one five. That's it. You, That's all they have. You can trade it, but, but it's more as like a condition. I mean, the Eagles did that in the Carson. No, you can't, you can't do that anymore. So oh, they, they, got they, rid of that? they used to be able to do that. Okay. You can't do that anymore. That's weird. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. In any case. Um, yeah. I, I, one person who I think could be on the move. Uh, I wish I was saying Derek Barnett. I don't think they will. That'd be great. Uh, is Catavia street because the Eagles are, they have seven guys on defensive tackle on the roster. Mm-hmm. They're so deep there. I think they like being deep there. I'm not saying they like, they have to move him, but it kind of makes sense. It seems from a standpoint of he's, he's playing so few snaps. 
and he's like a veteran guy. I feel like he's probably not like maybe super happy with his role. And they're they're so deep there. And this would clear a path for Moro Ojomo to play as that sixth defensive tackle, which I think he can, you know, reasonably be ready for at this point. Uh so maybe you are able to like sell him for something. I don't know. Not nothing like, you know, again, too valuable. He was a free agent this offseason, but maybe some kind of um maybe like swap him for uh, a depth running back or something or something somewhere else or a late draft pick but that seems like a name they're just so deep there at defensive tackle it feels like a team that is thinner might want to come calling to them and they also I should note you know they apparently re-signed Noah Ellis to the practice squad so now they have like yeah another <laughs> defensive tackle uh under team control I wonder if that's like a precursor to a, a Contavious Street trade a little bit. We should probably mention linebacker too, which I think was a position that a lot of, I mean, you and I included, but also a lot of other people thought it was, you know, it was a position that they could try to bolster at the trade. Then I don't think so anymore. Like, I think they've gotten good enough play from Nicholas Morrow. They've gotten good enough play from Zach Cunningham. Mm-hmm. We have Nicobe Dean hasn't done much yet since he's come back, but he's back now. So they have three linebackers that are playable. And I think that's kind of all you need mm-hmm. for right now. Like if, if some kind of opportunity arose where you could add some kind of stud linebacker uh, to your defense, then yeah, you look at every opportunity, but I don't necessarily see that that opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. And even if it were, as we know, <laughs> the Eagles aren't going to spend, you know, high draft capital, uh, whether in, in the draft or via the trade market on a linebacker. Yeah, I would not expect that, you know, maybe a depth guy. If, again, maybe you trade, like, Contavious Street for someone else's backup linebacker. I don't know, something low mm-hmm. cost like that, but nothing too crazy. Okay, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll definitely be monitoring the trade deadline next week. But for now, let's take a break, Jimmy. Uh, but not before we hear very quickly about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, <clears throat> excuse me, actually just went out to – um, take pictures of a house that she is going to be listing soon and making recommendations on things that they can do to approve its, I guess, visual uh, appeal, thus making it a uh, more valuable looking home. Uh, that is one of her strengths, by the way. Uh, anyway, she <laughs> she was voted on by God, as we all know, as the best realtor in the history of the universe and if you are looking to buy or sell your home call her at 856-906-9295 again 856-906-9295 best realtor history of the universe Kristen Roach back after this support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, time to get into Eagles, Dolphins, Takeaways. Uh, aiming to have, you know, the recap pods up closer to the game. Moving forward, it helps that the Phillies will not be on, sadly. That's a positive outcome, is that we'll have more time. Because, like, you know, like Monday was watching the game yesterday. Uh, game. So, all right. Uh, Jimmy, what are your yes. takeaways from this Eagles win over the Miami Dolphins. Let's start with AJ Brown, who is having a special season is how I put it. Um, I mean, he's got five straight games now of over a hundred yards in this, of course, last game uh, against the Dolphins. He, what did he have? Uh, sorry, I'm just pulling this up. I probably should have been a little more prepared with my numbers here. Uh, I'll just go through his five game stretcher. So at Buccaneers started off, uh, week three, nine catches, 131. Commanders, nine catches, 175, two touchdowns. Rams, six catches, 127. Jets, seven catches, 131. And then against the Dolphins, 10 catches for 137 uh, and a touchdown. So the last five games, you get 41 catches, 701 yards, three touchdowns. And then, you know, he made, made some big plays uh, against the Dolphins. Um Obviously, he had the big play at the end of the game that was not a touchdown. But uh, when the Eagles were up seven during that long big boy drive to kind of sort of close out that game, um, made a big play in double coverage, just made an outstanding catch in between uh, two Dolphins defenders. He's been doing that all year. I was actually curious to look up um, Terrell Owens, Mm -hmm. uh, his season in 2004 to see where he's at and my apologies i'm just pulling that up now that was from my power ranking roundup where people far and wide were praising uh aj brown but terrell owens in 2004 which i think we all kind of consider like the gold standard of and you know eagles wide wide receiver seasons after seven games that year 42 catches 697 yards he had nine touchdowns, though. Mm. So, like, he was getting in the end zone a hell of a lot. Uh, A.J. Brown, after seven games, is 52 catches, 809 yards, three touchdowns. So he's got 10 more catches than T.O. had that year. He's got more than 100. He's got, I guess, a, I can be exact here. He's got 112 more receiving yards than T.O. did, but he's got six fewer touchdowns. He's only got three touchdowns so far. He's got he's got a few plays where he's gotten tackled, like the one yeah. where they scored anyway. So, um, you know, still obviously ultra productive, but he's sort of challenging Terrell Owens. If he can like get in the end zone a lot more and keep playing the way that he is, we may be talking about AJ Brown as having the best wide receiver season uh, in Eagles history. I think you're looking at like, you know, best wide receiver in the NFL talk too. He is, you know, he's a stake to claim in that it's obviously, um, you know, Tyree kill is great in terms of, very talented. Uh, Justin Jefferson is, you know, certainly always going to be up there, even though he's hurt right now. It's not an easy, you know, mountain to climb, but he's definitely in there. And 
he's been excellent. That one touchdown he or his his touchdown where I mean they throw him short of the sticks, just breaks through tackles. Like that's just so routine for yeah. him relative to other players. You know, so many other players are just getting tackled there for him. It's so easy. Uh he's he's awesome. He's excellent. He led the team of fifteen targets. He played ten fewer snaps than De- Devontae Smith and yet saw uh ten more targets than, than him. Uh he had to leave the game for a little bit there because apparently he got a cut on his face or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. played most of the game and just, you know, doesn't like teams know that Jalen Hurts is going to throw the ball to him. It's not a surprise, but guess what? You can't, it's not about, it's, this is where, you know, scheme only goes so far. AJ Brown's an awesome player. You don't just scheme him out of the game. He's going to get his. He's really amazing and a uh, huge reason why the Eagles have been so successful offensively. He's dominant. And uh, there's really no stopping him. You can only hope to contain him, kind of. And he's on the hot streak he's on right now is pretty unsurprising in how in terms of how good he is. But it is easy to take it for granted also because of how good he is. And it's just like, oh, yeah, another awesome A.J. Brown play. Ho-hum. Like, what, what, what more is there? You're, we're running out of things that to, say, to say about A.J. Brown. It's like, you know, he'll make a good play or whatever you're writing about him in your post-game analysis. And it's like, A.J. Brown's really good. Yeah. I know, like, there's no, it's not a new revelation. <laughs> yeah. He's just really Thanks. freaking good. <laughs> well, what, what what I thought was funny about this matchup, heading into the matchup, was just all the talk about how are the, how are the Eagles going to cover Tyreek Hill and these Dolphins, you know, fast receivers and everything. And what kind of just was ignored completely was, well, how are the Dolphins going to cover A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they certainly didn't cover A.J. Brown well enough in this game. And certainly, I mean, the first two games aside, Nobody has this year. He's just been really a, a special player so far this year. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know if we're getting to the point where we start to take it for granted, but probably should recognize mm-hmm. this dude is balling out mm-hmm. in an extreme way right now. 100%. And certainly, this isn't the reason why he had the production, but it doesn't hurt that for the second straight week, the Eagles faced a team missing both of their starting cornerbacks. And then this right. one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously, you know, a really good player in Xavier Howard. So that doesn't hurt, but uh, I'm going to get into my observation, which is Sean Desai. This is one of the most, I think, encouraging and impressive performances by an Eagles defensive coordinator in a little bit now. Certainly, I think more impressive than, honestly, probably anything Jonathan Ginnon ever did in terms of like a one-game impressive thing. Because the Eagles actually, they went up against a quarterback who, I like Tua. Uh, I originally wasn't a Tua guy. And I still think, you know, there's some limitations there. But, I mean, he's, there's no doubting he's played incredibly well this year. And he certainly is a quarterback who you would worry going up against the Jonathan Gannon defense because he would be able to execute and take what's there. He's the exact kind of quarterback that rips Gannon apart. Exactly. Just getting the ball out quickly. Like, just the, if, if this were Gannon, they'd play that bullshit soft shell, soft shell defense, excuse my language, and they would have left the soft, the, the short to intermediate areas of the field mm-hmm. open, and the Dolphins would have just taken it and carved him up all game long. And that's not what we got from Sean Desai in this game. And wouldn't have, uh, yeah, and it, wouldn't, and it would have been on the field for forever. It wouldn't have, yes, <laughs> wouldn't yes, have given the Eagles' offense as much of a chance to score. Uh, so yeah, uh, not to make it all anti-Gannon, but I just think you have to say how like stark it is. The contrast. I mean, now let's acknowledge that the Dolphins were without their starting left tackle, their starting center, they, Robert or um, 
but he's also been Armstead's been out almost the whole season. He's sure. only played two games well, so far I'm not this year, and still, yeah. they've still been an extremely explosive offense. And then uh, Isaiah Wynn got hurt by Jalen Carter yeah. legally, like which is its own thing. Like not that I'm, <laughs> you know, not cheering for players to get hurt, but like it's impressive that you can beat your opponent so bad, you like make them unable to play. Uh, and then you know, uh, Jalen Waddle missed some time. Devon Achain has been insane as a rookie, and he wasn't able to play. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. All fair. So, you know, acknowledged all those pieces weren't there still for this Dolphins offense that was incredibly dominant as they've been this year. And I read the stats <laughs> last week in terms of like, not only are they first, but they're first by such an insane margin in terms of points scored and yards. They're way out in front of everyone else. And he was only allowed one touchdown to them. Now, obviously, you know, there was a Tyreek Hill touchdown that was dropped. Uh, it was kind of like a ball don't lie thing with the Jalen Hurts pick six there at, right after that. But still, he was defense at the end of the day. He gave up just 10 points, one touchdown. Obviously, the field goal was off of that Jalen Hurts fumble uh, early in the game. So he'd be able to hold him to three there. Pretty impressive. The touchdown they gave up was to Tyreek Hill, who has been, is like unstoppable, basically. And like might be not only the fastest player in the NFL, like literally one of the fastest human beings alive. So Mm -hmm. like, and I know like whatever, maybe Terrell Edmonds was to blame there for not playing it. I mean, to me, like I don't even begrudge the defense for that. It's Tyree Kill. He's going to get in the end zone at some point. He's going to make a or he's going to make a big play down the field at some point. You're not going to shut him out the entire game. But speaking of that note, you know, it was me who said prior to this game that was like, you're not going to stop the Dolphins. You're not going to shut them down. It's going to be a shootout. The defense has to just you know make some plays. I mean, I was wrong and in a big way and like th- that defense played so much more they, they were better than i thought they could be and i think that you know goes for anyone's reasonable expectation going into the game and obviously you have to credit the defensive front having that front mm-hmm. certainly helps make up for issues on the back end but it's not just that it's not just as simple as like oh sean desai is living off of you know a great eagles defensive front and he's not doing anything to help them he did because i think they clearly had the Dolphins offense, which is typically designed to get the ball out fast and also to run the ball a lot. They shut down the running game and they also did things that made Tua uncomfortable and he couldn't, you know, always just get the ball out fast and in rhythm to his guys all game long. So uh, at the end of the day, Sean Desai, really impressive. And it's also needs to be said that, you know, to, to compare it back to Gannon again, he's doing it with a secondary that's been like a different secondary every game this season, right? Or yeah. most games this season because of all the injuries there. Jonathan Johnson didn't have to do with that. The Eagles were incredibly healthy last year. And, you know, they had more talent, I think, when you, you know, think about like CJ, GJ and everyone uh, and, you know, the linebackers being an upgrade. Uh, so it's it's really impressive. The, the game that Sean Desai had is really, really impressive. And it gives you hope that he's not going to be gaining where you go up against the top quarterback and it's like, well, you're going to get shredded. So I have a few things here. Like the only two teams that really even slowed down the Dolphins so far this year were the Patriots week two. And the Bills kind of took it to them in week four. The Bills gave up. Uh, and still, even in that game, the Bills gave up 20 offensive points to the Dolphins. 393 yards and 21st downs. The Eagles, by comparison, gave up 10 offensive points. If you recall, of course, Dolphins got a pick six. We'll put that on the you don't put that on the Eagles defense, obviously. They gave up 244 yards, which is incredible. And they gave up 12 first downs. So the the Bills gave up 20 first downs to, to the Dolphins. 20 is still kind of like a decent enough number. Um, but the Dolphins first downs in other games, 
30, 22, 30, 20, 22, 23. Eagles gave up 12. Outstanding job by the Eagles getting off the field uh, on third down. The other thing I'll note too here is the two teams that did give them difficulty, again, Patriots and Bills, they're in their division. There's familiarity with all right. that motion stuff that they do pre-snap and, and how to, you know, sort of like keep uh, Tyree Kill from absolutely just, you know, crushing your soul mm-hmm. uh, against you. The Eagles do not get to play the Dolphins all that much. Yeah. They did play the Rams earlier this year with, uh, you know, Sean McVay, who, you know, like Mike McDaniel is from that Kyle Shanahan tree and do a lot of this, you know, do a lot of creative stuff pre-snap with motion and, and that kind of thing. But Sean Desai has... And, and the Eagles defense, uh, put it on the players too, they have done a really good job in the two games that they have played so far against that Kyle Shanahan coaching mm-hmm. tree, which I think is encouraging for what is going to be, you know, big time showdown, what, week 13 yeah. uh, against the Niners later this season. So he's passed wow. two tests against that kind of offense. And um, yeah, I, I think that's a good sign. Uh, for later in the season when, oh. they, when they do match up with the 49 Also a Niners team that's now lost two straight with Brock Purdy turning into a pumpkin, as I saw in your yeah. drawing, and, you know, losses to the Browns and the Vikings. Um, but a different topic for a different day. Also, real quick, on that third down thing that you mentioned, the thinking about it while you were talking about it, the Dolphins' only touchdown drive came on that drive where the Eagles got them into some third and longs. The Dolphins just made plays, credit to them. But, like, mm-hmm. point being... It was never easy. There was nothing ever just easy for the Dolphins in that game. Even when they did score a touchdown, they had to work for that touchdown. So, um, uh, and the touchdown pass itself was on a third down. So, you know, credit to them. They made some good plays. They're a really good offense. But, yeah, Eagles defense really came to play. And, yeah, I think that gives you – it's not just like a one-off. It feels like something that you feel, you can feel good about moving forward being, uh, you know, something that's sustainable and reliable for this team. So, yeah, I think uh, Sean Desai – very impressive showing. One other thing on the defense too, like they completely shut down the Miami, the, the Miami run game, mm-hmm. which uh, the, I mean, they shut it down early and then the Dolphins just kind of abandoned it for a while. And then they did get back to it. Like they ran some, uh, some stuff wide and they had some success with that against sort of the Eagles second team uh, defensive line. But heading into this game, the Dolphins were gaining 181.8 rushing yards per game, 6.5 yards per attempt, 15 rushing touchdowns, uh, 12 rushes of 20-plus yards, 7 rushes of 40-plus yards. They were number one in the NFL in all of those categories. And on Sunday night, they ran for a measly 45 rushing yards. Outstanding job by the defensive front of the Eagles to shut that down. For all the people who talk about the importance of, you know, not abandoning the run— I mean, I think not abandoning the run hurt the Dolphins in this game because it clearly wasn't working early on. They just kept going with it for a little bit. They kind of changed that little bit in the second half. But, uh, yeah, so I don't want to hear always, you know, abandon the run. That's the key to victory. It didn't work. I mean, the the, the Dolphins should have abandoned the run sooner in this one that they didn't hurt them. Anyway. Uh, well, one more thing on the run real okay. quick. So after the game, I asked uh, Wayne Johnson. Oh, yes, it's good. <laughs> who, uh, you know, because he's facing the, obviously the Eagles defense all throughout training camp and in practice every week. Um, you know, wh- why are they so good against the run? And very matter of factly, I should probably maybe uh, publish the audio of this too because mm. it's also kind of funny. But he goes, Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen how big Jordan Davis is. 
<laughs> but he takes him about effing three gaps. <laughs> and that was just kind of his answer, which is awesome. I love Lane. And uh, it's very true. Like Jordan Davis, uh, his progression from, from year yeah. one to year two has been outstanding. And he's the biggest reason, in my opinion. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why sure. the Eagles are good against the run. But but it starts with him being in the middle there and just kind of shutting down, uh, you know, that the the, the interior yep. of that defensive line. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have from this game? Uh, yeah. So I think um, we should probably talk about Jalen Hurts. <laughs> it's it's a is is always a topic of discussion after each game. He good numbers: twenty three of thirty one for two seventy nine, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, had a rushing TD. Of course, the Eagles had. A bunch of uh, brotherly shoves mm-hmm. uh, in this game, notably on that final drive where they got two of them in their own end. Um, downside, he had a bad fumble mm-hmm. uh, on a pass play in which he held onto the ball for pretty much an eternity. Mm-hmm. And uh, but ultimately, I thought he made a lot of clutch plays in this game uh, when the offense needed him to. And um, he played through an injury, so the Eagles. Uh, we don't know specifically mm-hmm. what's wrong with him, uh, but just week in and week out, I think he shows his leadership. And there is zero question in that in that locker room who the leader of this team is, and they all and for how young he is, uh, they all really mm-hmm. kind of look up to him as a player and a leader and a person. And you know, it's, it's it doesn't always look pretty or perfect, but I think if you're a Philadelphia fan, you can be really happy that he's your quarterback, uh, even with the money that he's making. <clears throat> I think that's all fair. I mean, he has to stop turning the ball over. It's 11 times now in his last eight games. It's too much. It's simply... He leads the league in interceptions, and a lot of them are kind of like fluky, but you don't want to be leading Yeah, but when it's happening that much, (laughs) it's like, it can't all be bad luck. Like, it's not just that, and it's not just the interceptions. It's also, you know, like, that was the fumble was really bad, and and it speaks to how, I think both the fumble and the interceptions at some level speak to how, I just don't think he's seeing the field well. I really don't. Because he's getting the ball out so much slower than he did last year, and it's it's actually around the same number as he did in 2021, which was you know his first full season starting from week one. So I definitely think they have to figure that out. There's obviously a fine line there when it comes to holding on to the ball. He made that near touchdown pass to AJ Brown fourth down when he held onto the ball and extended a play. There's value in that. I get that, but. It seems like, just like I said earlier this year when the running didn't look right, and like you can't just neuter him. I get that. You don't want to neuter his running ability, but there has to be some kind of a balance there between him not protecting himself and also using his legs and being a weapon. And I think there has to be a balance here between extending plays and actually getting it out a little bit faster and throwing with anticipation. I think that is an area for improvement. You look at... uh, uh, the turnover-worthy plays metric, shout out to Elliot Short Parks who tweeted this, Jalen Hurts up to 12 turnover-worthy plays in seven games this year. That's third most in the NFL last year in 2022. He had that same exact number, 12 turnover-worthy plays over the course of the entire season, including the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, that matches with what we've seen. Like He's putting the ball in harm's way more often than he does, which is surprising because I mean, maybe there's some of this that's regression, but it just seems like Jalen Hurts, like one of his best skills is that he doesn't typically put the ball in harm's way. And I think that kind of is something that I've missed on him in the past in terms of evaluating him, especially in training camp practice. He's not always like flashy. He doesn't always make the flashy throws, 
but he's just usually like efficient and he's not putting the ball in harm's way. He's typically really good at doing that. And that hasn't been the case this year. And it hasn't burned the Eagles as much as it clearly could have did cost them one game. But uh, yeah, so that needs to get fixed that they have to figure that out. I don't, I, I would tend to think that they will. I am betting on Jalen Hurts as opposed to against him. Um, but that is something that needs to be addressed. And I will say, I will give him credit for the fact that he did have those turnovers and he didn't let them snowball into this disastrous game, like something that maybe like Carson Wentz has done in the past. Yeah. And he was able to lead a touchdown drive. I think he had a touchdown drive after both of his turnovers, but especially the one late in the game where he threw the pick six. And I mean, that was tipped. That wasn't like fluky to me. That was a bad throw. He threw right into an oncoming blitzer. You can't throw into a guy who's literally rushing into your face. Like, I know, like, he got tipped in a way that didn't help you, but, like, you you asked for it to be tipped when you threw into a guy. He did that earlier in the game. fair. He did that earlier in the game when there was, uh, I remember looking at this, there was, like, a free blitzer coming onto him, and he just threw, like, at him. Like, you can't, what are you doing? You can't just throw, like, or is he thinking he's, like, going to get the throw by him? Like I, that just seems a little too much to me. I I would not throw to, like directly towards an oncoming free blitzer. That doesn't seem like a recipe for success for me. Uh, to me, I should say. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna crush him and say he was bad. He obviously did a lot of good things in this game, but the turnovers are just they have to stop. He's kind of got like a Josh Allen career arc going on here. Like mm. year one, um, you know, didn't start all the games, but. Uh, and probably a little more bad than good, low completion percentage, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Year two, improvements, but still kind of like up and down. You're not sure about them just yet. Year three, MVP kind of season. Mm-hmm. Year four, spike in the turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, while also playing, you know, while also making a lot of plays at the yeah. same time. So that that's kind of like the way the, the Josh Allen, you know, career arc has gone so far. And so we're sort of seeing that so far from, from Jalen Hurts. And the worst thing, Josh Allen is a top five quarterback mm. very clearly in the NFL. So, um, you know, I, I you certainly, like you said, you want to see those turnovers come down. Uh, but a lot to like about what the even, even though he's not playing as well as he did in 2022, mm-hmm. there's still plenty to like about the way that he is playing. Uh, I'm going to bring up the offense as a whole because you know, defended Brian Johnson. And I can't defend that red zone sequence to start the game. That was, what the hell are we doing there? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of that is hurts in terms of, you know, options and whatnot and him keeping the ball, but a sequence where you have, uh, hurts keeping on the keeper on first down. And he slid slids. like as soon as anyone got anywhere near him, he slid. No gain. So, so the, the chances of him scoring on that play are low because yeah. if anyone's getting near him, he's by the way, and I don't mean to cut you off on, on the progression here, but I will just make the point real quick that after the game was over, this progression, that this sequence in the red zone made even less sense because Hertz revealed that his injury did not happen. His knee injury right. did not happen during the Dolphins game. Yeah. So he was already hurt heading into this game, and they still had right. – they, they called two quarterback runs. Well, I don't know if it was called for sure. He could have checked into at least one of the those. The first one looked like a looked like a design run. The, the, the QB draw clearly – was a designed run to him. Well, right. I, I guess unless, he, unless you said like like he checked into it. Maybe in I don't any know. case, yeah, not smart. Well, well, then he should know too. If that's the case, then he should know. He's he's banged up. Like, don't maybe that's not the best play. Also, like uh, someone said this on Twitter. Why don't, you, why don't you run through the sequence? Why don't you run through the sequence okay. first? Or, yeah. We didn't uh, Kenny that. Gainwell handoff on second and goal from the ten yard line. Like, 
why why first of all why are you running at all at that point it's second and 10 like how about maybe throw you paid Jalen Hurts 250 million dollars how about maybe trust him to throw the football in like a high leverage spot and not give it to your second best running back on the team I I a couple a couple episodes ago I I shared that stat with you in terms of like <laughs> yeah. the swift red zone series versus the Kenny Gainwell red zone series and how much more effective the swift red zone series have been so why is Kenny Gainwell even in in the red zone in this case let alone giving him the ball when you just have so many more awesome players on this team I hate that I have to say this every week because it's not interesting or new but it's true it's like you have AJ Brown you have Devontae Smith you have Dallas Goddard why are you giving the ball to Kenny Gainwell why are you doing that it's such a waste of a play you're just wasting a play and then on third, yeah, I think the opposing defenses are more than happy to see. That's Kenny what I mean. Think the about it from situation. their perspective. Yeah. Think about it. You, ha- I don't think teams or people or players like do that enough. Think about how the other team would feel about this. How do you think they feel when Kenny Gainwell gets the ball? They're like, oh yes, <laughs> yes. awesome, great, what a relief, <laughs> right? So I don't know why the Eagles are obsessed with getting him involved, especially like early in the game, like tone setting moment. It's it's you know he had that touchdown at the end, and people are like, oh. Oh, what a nice run. And like, want to chirp me for oh, great. Who cares? The game was basically over at that point. It's a, he finished with a 2.0 yards per carry. He finished with what? Like eight carries for 16 yeah, I think yards. Eight for 16. Like, yeah, yeah. What are you talking? What are we talking about here? Uh, and then third down. Yeah. The, the QB draw. And it was just like, really? That's it in a game too, where you feel like you're, you especially need touchdowns in the red zone yeah you felt like you had to outscore him that was the first put drive of the game right? yes so like it, you didn't know yet that sean Desai right. and the eagles defense was going to step up and to, to the eagles credit they i'm bringing this up as that was bad but after that they went four or five in the red zone they went four or six officially total uh but you know they finished the game not trying to score in the end zone i feel confident they could have had a touchdown there at the end if they really wanted to do that which they didn't because they just wanted to run the clock mm-hmm. out well, kind of funny by the way that they've had three drives this year end in like the red zone. So that's not hurting or that's not helping their red zone stat. That's not the only thing keeping it down. But certainly when you have three times where you're not even actually trying to score, uh, that takes the number down. But I wanted to say, you know, big picture view, Eagles offense, uh, fourth in offensive success rate and fifth in points per game through seven weeks. So for all the Brian Johnson is, uh, doesn't know what he's doing talk. I mean, again, I'm not saying the offense is perfect. The turnovers certainly are an issue, and it hasn't always felt amazing. But I think you have to contextualize the fact that offense down the around the league is kind of down, especially in the red zones. I saw a lot of tweets during the day on Sunday uh, about other teams, like, oh, this team just can't figure it out in the red zone. I, and I think it's kind of a league-wide thing, and I think relative to the competition, the, I mean, obviously the Eagles need to get better in the red zone, they, and they have shown improvement. These past two games, actually, when they've tried to score in the red zone, they're now like six. So they went two or three against the Jets, right? And so four out of five in this game. So they're six out of their last eight. So that's pretty good. They're mm-hmm. showing some encouraging yeah. signs in that regard. 75 is outstanding yeah, yeah, if you can maintain that over a long period of time. I think they're getting better at that. One thing I would like to see them do more in the red zone is actually – throw into the end zone it doesn't seem like they're doing that a lot right like anecdotally like that's weird you know what during training camp like i think some of their their most successful like we see them during training camp hitting a lot of those like back of the end line type throws hurts is good at those where he puts it up high and and they have certainly the receivers to do that aj brown can go up and get it Devontae smith can go up and get it goddard can go up and get it and julio jones can go up oh, and yeah. get it, maybe not so much in well, the uh, divisional round against the Eagles, but <laughs> <laughs> but in 2017. But uh, but they they all have guys that are capable of making those plays on the end line of the of the end zone. Yeah, 
Okay, why don't we take another break here? And uh, But before we do, we'll talk about Wrong Crowd Beer. To me, Wrong Crowd Beer Company, wrongcrowdbeer.com. Our good friends in Westchester, Pennsylvania, making the best beer in the land. Uh, what do you love about Wrong Crowd Beer, Jimmy? Well, I went there, as did you. Mm-hmm. And first of all, go there yeah. because they have good food. Uh, nothing like a brewery beer at the brewery. I mean, it's just awesome. It's a good spot. And then, There's a lot of space, TVs. Yeah, it's like a cool little area of uh, of, of Westchester Honestly, as well. So if you're in the Westchester area. Yeah, go there to watch an Eagles game. Westchester's a cool little for sure, for sure. Or well, you know, if, if they're you open, want to go to like if they're what? If they're open, I think they are. Uh, yeah, check their hours online. Yeah. Well, it could be a primetime <laughs> game, maybe not just a Sunday. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, but yeah, uh, they if you know wherever you go get your beer, ask if they have wrong crowd beer. If you're in PA in the Philly Westchester area, they probably do. Uh, and if they don't, ask them to get it in. And my favorite beer, personally, that they have on the market now is uh, the Oktoberfest beer. Uh, I know that the Quarterback Factory beer is one of their more popular options. Their, what was their golf beer again? What was that called? I don't know if they're still making that right Ride now. Ride and but, Birdie. Uh, Ride and Birdie is, uh, is another very popular one as well. I think they probably, I think you can still get that uh, this time of year. But um, Wrong Crowd Beer, very good stuff. You can order that online as well. WrongCrowdBeer.com. Good, fe- good food. Good beer and the people there, uh, you can feel confident that you're buying from some good folks there as well. Yes. Uh, testimonial from at pre-move observer on Twitter. Big Mike oh, right. yep. sent us a picture uh, of, and uh, if you do as well, send us a picture. Let us know. Uh, he tweeted he had wrong way, the wrong way selection. That's a, It's an IPA at 6.3%. Um, he said... Uh, had to see what you guys have been raving about. Tweet out the picture, little beer emoji. And uh, he said he will be getting more. He liked it. So there you go. You have a Good. testimonial. Uh, people are happy with it. And <clears throat> wrongcrowdbeer.com. Okay, Jimmy, we will be back after this. Kristen Rocha, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Rocha, Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio. Any other thoughts from the game, Jimmy? I have at least two more. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Slay, we should mention. Mm. I think he had uh, some plays that he a gave up play. uh, early in the game. But he made the biggest play of the game sure. uh, on defense when – we've seen this actually a couple different times with the Eagles defense so far this year where he – well, so he was covering Jalen Waddle and it was a double move. He didn't fall for the double move. And once he knew he had it covered, he had eyes on the quarterback. And I think he felt confident that the ball was not going to go to his man – and when Tua let it go, he could see that that the trajectory was not intended for his guy. Mm-hmm. Broke on the ball, and sure enough, it was intended for it was Mostert, I think, on a, on a, on a deep route. Yeah, some... they had a mismatch there too. It was Mostert on Zach Cunningham, yeah. and Tua left it short. Uh, Slay jumped it, made the play, uh, had a decent little return. But that was the biggest play of the game. And then, of course, the Eagles go ahead and they have that long. Um, 
that long big by big boy drive mm-hmm. to to kind of close out the game. They haven't had a turnover in the, they didn't have any turn takeaways rather in the three games prior to that. Yeah. So that was their first takeaway since the Buccaneers game, I think, <laughs> which was a long time ago. Uh so yeah, it was good for for Slay to get the defense sort of off the schneid uh on that one, finally getting a turnover, but in terms of like, you know, leaving defenders and and or leaving receivers and you know going to make a play elsewhere. We saw Reed Blankenship do that uh, against the Buccaneers. There was a play yeah. where uh, Mike Evans was on his own on one side of the field, and that was Baker Mayfield's first look. And then as soon as Reed saw Baker turn his head, he knew, okay, I don't have to worry about that side of the field anymore. And he booked it mm-hmm. to the other side of the field. And he happened to run exactly where Baker Mayfield was throwing, and he made a big play in that game. So what you have now is a guy in Reed Blankenship who plays like a veteran, mm-hmm. like is smart, like a veteran, and has you know, and and is savvy and and instinctive. And I have a lot of a lot of guys in the secondary, otherwise, who are very experienced in Slay and Bradbury. And now you add Kevin Byer to the mix. Mm-hmm. You have Bradley Roby in the slot, and that's not necessarily a great thing if you're trying to build a roster like long term mm-hmm. like if you're like an up and coming type team and 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 the Eagles are certainly going to have to you know put some resources and they already have yeah. put some resources toward you know filling up their their secondary both at cornerback and safety um you know they've some guys that like are kind of understudying right now but um for a Super Bowl contending thing I think it's a great thing to have that kind of experience on the back end where you can make those savvy type of plays. And Slay certainly made one on Sunday night against the Dolphins. He did. It was a big play. Give him credit for it. That is the best quarterback he's picked off by far so far since his time as an Eagle. I've kept track record of that in the past. And it's like a lot of backups and not good players too. Is definitely <laughs> the best player by far. So it was a big spot. Some people were saying it's DPI on Zach Cunningham there. I mean, nonsense. I don't agree. Uh, I think, I could see the refs calling it because, you know, that's DPI is kind of volatile in terms of what they'll call. Uh, it does, it does, you know, it is, should be acknowledged that the Eagles didn't get caught. That's a baby complaint. Like it's, it's it, the ball is not even get getting there. I it's agree. not getting to the receiver. And also like the, if there was an interference that, that happened, it was pretty much happening concurrently right. with Slay picking it off. Yes. So like, stop the bitching. Yeah. That's not, that's like begging for, a call you don't deserve. Agree. Yeah. That's not like, that's not, you don't, you don't want to like, that's not why the rule exists to like wipe out a big play. That was a good play by the defense. It's not, it's letter there, of the there law. There were certainly calls that were missed sure. against the Eagles. Yeah. Well, I mean, game. yeah, it's zero penalties. Of course, the, the Dolphins, the, the, the Dolphins got screwed in my opinion, in, in many, like the, the Bradbury PI, like that should have been yeah. called, but, but that, that play stop. I agree. Um, so yeah, it should be acknowledged. I don't think it was the difference in the game, but I do understand why Dolphin fans have some level of frustration, but sure. also over the course of the season, this thing kind of tends to even out. I think you saw the Eagles kind of get hosed a little bit when they played the commanders the first time and yes. in a high leverage spot. So it's not like the Eagles are getting the nice calls every single week. I think this kind of is, this is a week where some weeks they're getting the bad end of it. And this week they got the good end of it. So I don't think it's like, wow, the Eagles are so fortunate all the time. Um, yeah. Good job by Slay. My next observation is uh, Kelly Green should be the Eagles full-time uniform. I think it looked really good. <laughs> they did look awesome. I yeah. didn't say, I mean, I've long time been a proponent of that. That's not new, but seeing it too, <laughs> it's just and like the juice and the energy for it. And just how, it's such a good aesthetic. My take on Midnight Green 
well, first of all, I don't want to hear, oh, Eagles won a Super Bowl in Midnight Green. Like, I okay, yeah, so like, I, but I don't care. Like, that doesn't mean what that doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me. It's nice, but the other part of it to me is that I truly believe that people would not actually miss Midnight Green if it was gone. I really, I, I fully believe that. I don't think anyone actually, but oh no, I miss it. No, you wouldn't. No, no one, no one cares. No one cares about it as much as people are have like a fervent uh, appreciation of Kelly Green. It's so much more exciting. It pops. It's fun. All the pictures after the game, like like go like, go to bleedinggreennation.com all the time, but especially right now, and like just look at like the the front page and all the different pictures of the Eagles in celebrating Kelly Green. It looks so good. It's such a good outfit. And honestly, the logo is better, too. It's an actual eagle instead of the head. Like, everything about it rocks. It's great. It should be the full-time thing. I am not expecting them to do that. But uh, I just think I, I I probably repeat myself with this, but I think Midnight Green and Lincoln Financial Field both very much are relics of the times they were introduced. And it's time... I know Kelly Green's obviously an old color, but I also think it fits into a more modern aesthetic. And I think it's time to get to the future and get out of the late 90s, early 2000s and uh, acknowledge it's been like, what, 25 years of Midnight Green? Like, it's it's time. It's been a quarter of a century. How about have a new era, get a refresh, get exciting and uh, Kelly Green. And there's such a there's obviously such like an appreciation of it. Look at the stands. Look at all this year, even before the Kelly Green game. And obviously it's in part because it was incredible how many people had Kelly Green jerseys. Yeah, like people love Kelly Green. They love it. So I think it needs to be more than just an alternate. I think it should be the full time team. I saw a lot of sentiment like that out there. Um, Yeah, that's my take. Is there anything to the argument that uh, it maybe was really fun and um, and there was a lot of extra juice? because we don't see them that often like is there maybe you hold them back for two three games per year when you're when you maybe need a little shot in the arm sure i mean i don't think that is immaterial to the conversation but i do think it's just genuinely better as well and i've and i again i've said that i've always felt that way i know other people feel differently but i just don't think i just don't think midnight green is any it's nothing the best defense i've seen of midnight green is like it's unique okay like I don't, who, whatever like unique is not necessarily good kelly green undeniably is exciting and pops it just is this it's a better aesthetic anyway and the eagles are undefeated in it this season so how do you argue against that <laughs> we did one of our props right, for the over-unders this year was like wins and uh kelly green jerseys i think it was one and a half so they already have one I forget if we took the over or under on that. I'll have to double check. But I think the other game, you know, it's, it's going to be the Bills game. So we'll see if they, they're they going to have to win that to hit the over. All right. I got two more things. Okay. Uh, one real quick. Uh, Dallas Goddard, five targets, five catches, 77 yards, one touchdown. Uh, big game for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, very efficient game for him, which was what we've sort of gotten used to seeing from yes. him over the last few years. Highest you know yards per target in the NFL from 2021 to 2022. Way down this year mm. for the first six games, but uh, you know very efficient game for him against the Dolphins. And then with their win, the Eagles extend their lead <laughs> to one and a half games in the NFCs. The Cowboys had a bye, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, also you know also importantly. Uh, there were two other uh, five and one teams heading into uh, week seven. 
the Lions and the 49ers. We mentioned them. You mentioned the Niners lost uh, on Monday night. The Lions also lost Lions. Holy crap. Yeah. They got absolutely boat raced mm-hmm. by the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Um, so both of those teams looked pretty vulnerable uh, in, in their losses week seven. So the Eagles are the lone remaining uh, one lost team mm-hmm. uh, in the NFC. And I think there's only, I think there's only one yeah, in the, the NFC. Chiefs. It's just the Chiefs. Is that, is that it? Yep. Ravens have two losses, I think, I yep. guess. Yeah, they lost to the um, Colts and the Steelers. So the two, uh, you know, reigning conference champions of a year surprise, ago. Surprise, surprise. Are the lone one lost teams yep. uh, in the NFL. And the Chiefs being number one pretty much across the board in most power rankings that are out there. Uh, the Eagles, mm-hmm. clean sweep pretty much at number two. Um, but yeah, Eagles uh, have a nice advantage now in, in the NFC going forward. They got... Uh, seemingly uh, a weak opponent that gives them and again we'll get to all this Mm -hmm. in our next episode but team that gives them trouble in in the commanders and then once that game is over you got that brutal stretch well you have the cowboys and then the bye but then there's the brutal stretch of the chiefs bills 49ers cowboys seahawks which uh that's that's going to be the real fun part of the season or not so fun if it doesn't go so well uh but but the eagles have built up uh, a little bit of a cushion yep. here after uh, seven games, which was what they needed to do in the uh, in the the easier part of their schedule. Brutal stretch, but you have uh, you know after coming off this performance, it's like it kind of I think it builds some confidence that you can actually defend some of these teams. It doesn't mean you're going to shut them down to the same extent, but it, it, you can go into the game knowing you have a hope of slowing down the other quarterback a little bit. And this offense seems to kind of you know be figuring things out, and it's still good. And I think from a big picture perspective for all the ire about the Eagles of the season in part, I think because expectations were very high and it's hard to then, you know, meet those. And it's almost anything you do is going to be short of that. Um, you have to contextualize it. You have to look at the rest of the league. And I think that's easy to lose focus of because for a lot of people, you just watch the Eagles, you know, you're, you're, or that's the team you follow so closely that you don't have the perspective of all these other teams who are feeling actually worse than you do. Like you, you might think you might not be feeling great about the Eagles. Well, guess what? Guess how 49ers fans are feeling right now. Like, <laughs> right. Guess how, you know, Lions fans are feeling like, you know, there's so it's, I think it's people lose perspective when it comes to the, um, the, the league wide view and how, by comparison, the Eagles just have it way better. And they're not perfect, but um, a lot of football to be played still, and they're in a good spot. And As a city, we look more for the negative than, and than that, other cities where, where they're looking for the uh, silver linings more, well, more and also, often again, than that. The, yeah, the, but that's what I love about Philadelphia. Well, and also in the context of coming off of a Super Bowl <laughs> appearance. It's not like yeah, the team has been right. bad and they're getting good, and now you kind of just focus right, on it. It's, right. No, it's like expectations are high. And yes. you're, again, you're almost... It's the the opposite of under promise over deliver. It is over promise and under deliver in a lot of ways, um, because of how. And yet they're six and one. And they're six and one, <laughs> and they have a chance, a very realistic chance, to go seven and one here, uh, before a very big game against the Cowboys before the bye. So they have a really nice chance. They have a nice opportunity in front of them here, uh, in the first half of the season, right before the bye. So they're in a they're in a mm-hmm. good spot, and they just had Kevin Byard to the team. So they're in theory they're even better than they've been at any point this year. They're or they're getting better. There's reason for optimism. So, yeah, on the whole, uh, feeling pretty you know optimistic about this team. 
Uh, I'm looking at my notes here. I don't think anything. Oh, the last thing I had, got to give credit to Nick Sirianni for willing be willing to go for it late in the game. Uh, sure. At, what was their own 26-yard line? They went for it. Now, you know, they have this unstoppable play. They should go for it. I was about to rip him for not going for it there when he originally sent the punt team out, took a timeout. A lot of coaches wouldn't go for it there. Like that's the even though I bet you even if they were the Eagles head coach too and had that unstoppable play, I bet you other coaches would still not go for it there. I've criticized mm-hmm. Sirianni in the past for not being aggressive enough because even though he is like and last year was like the most aggressive head coach in the NFL, there were still times I think he could afford to be even more aggressive. And that kind of just speaks to the nature of coaching as a whole, not being aggressive as it should be. But for him to be willing to go for it there, and then obviously again um, on the next fourth down, that's huge. And that's exactly how you need to beat the Dolphins. You don't give them you don't give them a chance to go tie the game. You go down, you take care of business, and you put the game away yourselves. You t- dictate the game. And uh, so I think Nick Sirianni deserves credit for that. Yes. I have nothing forever. Okay, last couple. I have some quick hitters for you, I guess, at the end. I'm looking okay. through here. Um, DeAndre Swift, not like in, you know, not one of his best games this season, but just continues to look really good. Had some really nasty jukes in this game. He's pretty good. Good player. Shady-esque. Shady, <laughs> shady kind of level jukes. Uh, Lane Johnson being able to play in this game, like I thought was pretty big. And also, apparently, this, Played every snap too. the sack was not on him. The sack that some people said was well, yeah. I mean, he held the ball for an eternity, so he, I mean, you can't put that on any of the offense. Well, I also heard if a, you hold the ball for six seconds, like forget it. I also heard um, a breakdown from our good friend Baldy on uh, the PHOY podcast that talked about why, like, that's actually born on Suo Peta. So uh, Suo Peta did not have a good game, by the way. He allowed six pressures and thirty-eight snap a pass blocking snap. So uh, mm-hmm. Eagles can get Cam Jurgens back in Week Nine when they play the Cowboys, and I think that will be much needed if he's able to play josh sweat didn't mention him he's awesome he's been awesome this year yeah bad job by us for not mentioning him earlier he's he's a beast in that game and he's become pretty much borderline star kind of player yep. if he's not already there uh son reddick as well obviously had a great game and uh eli ricks closed it out with that pass breakup yep seeing promise from him and then nolan smith had a sack i know he was unblocked but still i really like that play because i feel like so many how many edge rushers do you see who try to turn the corner and like lose control or like, you know, they just run back. Like he had the body control change of direction yeah, to actually yeah. like come back from behind and like look and look very natural and easy for him. And this is a, yeah, that's his athleticism. Like you see the, the spider charts, right. but that's what it looks like. like that wasn't just a gift of a sack to me. Like, Oh, they left him unblocked, So he should have gotten it. Definitely. Like I think other guys who don't have that athleticism and body control would have missed that and would have overran it. Mm-hmm. He was able to turn the corner and stay under control and get to Tua. And that was a big play in the game. They ultimately scored a touchdown on the next play, but like that was a that was a uh, a sack that set up a third and long at a, at a crucial right, time. Right. So uh, good to see from Nolan Smith, especially after he's had some struggles this year. Um, that's all I have. All right, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Well, uh, I think we got to our final thoughts at the beginning. <laughs> the Phillies, yeah. So I'll leave that there. Uh, I don't even want to talk about them anymore. Definitely don't want to talk about the Sixers. Uh, Eagles all the way for the rest of this year play the commanders this week as jimmy said we'll get to that on the preview episode um yeah follow all of our social media stuff in the description below and our sponsors you can find all that inf- information in the podcast description have that there for you 
check out our work bleedingyournation.com for me phillyvoice.com for jimmy we appreciate you following along and we will be back with you soon goodbye everybody bgn